G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. G'day everyone, welcome to Footyology TV, coming at you live from the studios of Southern FM in Brighton. Good evening to you, Finey. Good evening, Roko. What are you making of it? Uh, well, four down, four left, um, three games to go. I think we've got the four best teams in terms of competitive preliminary finals and hopefully a cracker of a grand final. What do you reckon? Well... I agree, and uh, we need it. Yeah, we do. We need some good finals, but these things cannot. And it's not for any reason. It's just uh, a period that we're in, not just this year, but the last couple of years. That's okay. It wouldn't bother Melbourne supporters this weekend, and it certainly wouldn't bother Collingwood supporters. So for the four teams that remain and their fans, they couldn't care less how they win. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And, and by the same token, um, I think we've got two preliminary finals that are probably as highly anticipated as we've seen for years. Obviously, Collingwood-Richmond, the amount of history and culture attached to those two clubs and their previous stouches. But I think the other one's really appetising as well in terms of two teams that are very good to watch who also have a bit of a finals history themselves. Um, and I think Melbourne, particularly with the momentum they've generated, are a real chance to win. You know, if the handicapper was having casting his eye over these two games, I reckon you'd have Richmond giving Collingwood four or five kilos. Mm. But I reckon Melbourne and West Coast, there might be a half kilo pull for the Demons. So I really think that that is the one that reads as potentially the closest encounter and therefore the most fascinating. Well, I had a look at the early betting today and the uh, the pies are at $3 uh, compared to, I think the Tigers are about one forty-five. Yep. So reasonably prohibitive odds there. The other game, a lot closer. Uh, Eagles obviously favourite, but not by a lot. So, um, I, yeah, I, I really think in terms of the quality of footy, and you did touch on this, and I know you want to sort of talk about it a bit later, We've had six finals thus far. It hasn't necessarily been terrific, aesthetically pleasing footy, but the storylines have been good. I'm not going to forget tonight. We want your input. It's a big part of this show. So you're watching it live on Facebook. Jump in, leave a comment, leave a question. I will ask that uh, as we do the wraparound and we're going to do the two games chronologically, you leave the questions according to to the order, jeez, I've stuffed that up. You know what I mean. We're talking, Ask it when we talk about them. That's basically what I'm getting <laughs> at. So do that, but we'll, we'll take uh, other questions as well after that. We should have a little bit of time tonight with only two games to talk about. Time to talk about those two games in depth right now, however, in the wraparound. I've got my air guitar. You've got a bit of a, a techno shtick for the wraparound music. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't know if you call that techno or not. I don't know what it is. All right, let's start at the beginning, Friday night at the MCG, 7.50pm, 
and the Demons into their first preliminary final since 2000 and... Here we go. 2000. 2000, and that's it. Yes, uh, with a 33-point win over the Hawks. 16-8-104, defeated the Hawks 10-11-71. You'll look at the scores, you know, years down the track and think, oh, that was pretty comfortable, wasn't really much danger. But that's certainly not how it felt about 10 minutes into the last quarter, did it? No, because, of course, Hawthorne are a hard beast to kill. And with four consecutive goals, was it? Um, three. Three consecutive goals. They pulled it back from 32 points at three-quarter time to a dangerous... 12. A dangerous couple of goals between them. Mm. The response by Melbourne through Jake Melcham was definitive. It was more than impressive. It was um, the sort of stuff that would put a bit of fear into the West Coast Eagles and... Another team, if they were to go one week further, because that really is the stuff of a team that can win anything. Absolutely. This this has been the impressive thing about them. It's not just these four wins in a row against West Coast, GWS, Geelong, and now the Hawks. It's the maturity and the resilience they've shown in each of them. And in each game, there has been a moment at which they've been challenged. Now, I thought there were two pivotal moments, the one you speak of, but before that, even in the third quarter, Gunston kicks a goal to make it 15 points. He then runs in to that open goal. He kicks that, and the difference is only nine points. He hit the post. Melbourne promptly slammed on three goals in the next six minutes to go to three-quarter time with that 32-point lead. And then again, start of the last quarter, Isaac Smith, goal at the two-minute, 15-second mark. Another goal to Gunston, four minutes in, makes it 20 points. Goal to Jared Ruffhead, 11 minutes in with 12 minutes left on the clock, makes it 12 points. Now, apparently, uh, and I didn't see who it was, but one of the Hawks got a bit mouthy at that stage to a few Melbourne players saying, you're choking, you're choking. Well, Melbourne certainly answered that, as you say, very next centre bounce. And that was a great bit of play. Hard ball get by Brayshaw out of the middle. Melksham sweeping around onto his left foot from outside the 50. Great goal and a really emphatic answer. But then they proceeded to kick uh, four of the last five goals of the game. So um, it was a really strong comeback statement after they'd been challenged, after they'd missed uh, some opportunities to perhaps put the game away. I think this last month, in terms of maturity, has been the making of this Melbourne side. Let's talk a little bit about the game. I got a sense fairly early, certainly by half-time, that the two outs for Hawthorne were telling. Uh, Jay Gray-Mira, look, Tom Mitchell... And we commented about his, um, probably since the St Kilda game, actually, when Jack Steele played on him, it's a long season for somebody that gets the ball that often. Yeah. And he's a bit banged up. Yeah. Jay Gromira started to fill the void, you know, to to good extent. And his absence was clearly missed out there in the middle. Oh, I think they missed his polish Correct. As, as much as anything. No, no absolutely. Yeah. Just, just the, the opportunity to work hard and get the ball to somebody who could skip away and use it well, wasn't there, and Stratton was being sorely missed down back, as in as much that whilst Melcham wasn't off the leash yet, there certainly was not quite the composure that is there when Stratton is there. And you love what he provides and what he what happened in his absence, I think was really telling, especially in that last quarter. A couple of uh, pivotal things to me. I thought Melbourne's defence was outstanding. I thought Neville Jetta was superb. Thought, he ran himself dead, didn't he? Yeah, I thought uh, Michael Hibbard was superb as well. Yep. Great stuff, Pig, if you're watching. 
Um, I thought Max Gorn in the second half really took over to the extent where the um, clearances after half-time, Melbourne 21, Hawthorne 11, so they dominated after that. But credit, credit to McAvoy for fighting a good he fight. He battled on, he battled yeah. on. Melbourne 18 more contested uh, possessions in the second half. Hawthorne weren't necessarily prevented from playing the way they like to play. They got their, uh, they like to get around the 90, 100 uncontested marks. They got their 95, but Melbourne's defence was absolutely resolute. And again, the I think the thing that really gives them a, a big chance, not just this week, but in the granny if they make it, is that potency up forward. Top to 100 points again. That is the 15th time in 24 games they've passed 104 points. Yep. And they've got so many options. I mean, Wiedemann has added a dimension to that forward setup. McDonald's got vice-like hands and was superb. But then you've got Melksham, you've got Petrarca, you've got Hannon. Uh, Fritch has been playing in defence. He can go forward. No, they've got right. goal-kicking options all over the place. You're right. Gorn can slide down there and take a mark and kick a goal. The, the, that's what makes probably Melbourne West Coast the more appealing of the two games because West Coast are going to want to score over 100 points. They're playing with their full complement of forwards. So mm. it's all systems go for a great attacking game of football. You do think that'll be the open one and the Collingwood-Richmond one where so. the slog, don't you? You'd think yeah. so. Melbourne provides something else, and that is uh, a late season. I have been not gifted, but they have got real impetus from the late season inclusions, of course, of Viney. Mm. No question. That was always going to be the case. But Vandenberg is equally as finals-like built for and playing. And what a great thing to have him come into the team. Nobody expected that. They weren't banking on it. No, none of the scribes, none of us factored it in. But boy, it's a factor. Yeah, I, I really like Hannon too. I reckon Hannon's got a little bit of X factor about him. Yep. I think he's a hard player to match up on. And I thought he had a, a real key input at stages too. All right, Mr. Music, do we have any questions on this game? Let's uh, get to a couple of them. Just as we, as we do queue up the questions, it's, it's funny that they sort of almost showed the door to Collingwood's best player, I reckon, in, in Howe. And I just wondered what, what a spectacular team Melbourne would be had they retained Jeremy Howe. Yeah, Because they are spectacular. Yeah, you'd say that about James Frawley as well. Uh, Jaron Parkinson, Demons will lose if they continue to miss shots on goal. Yeah, fair point. Although I'm having a look at the scoreline, Jaron, it's 16 yeah, 8. It's, uh, you know, it wasn't a Collingwood esque sort of 9 15. So, um, yeah, look, they've had their struggles with inaccuracy. Probably cost them that game against the Swans. I've got to say, they've got the most accurate key forward in the business. One thing about Tom McDonald, he's not spectacular and he's probably not ranked up there with the best <clears> of them. <throat> but when he gets it, he kicks goals. Can I just ask you one? This is sort of by the by, but I was I was intrigued at how people saw the game. Now, along with Melbourne's toughness, one thing I really like about them is their ball movement. I, I think they're quite precise when they get out in the open and and uh, the speed of that ball movement. I mean, that yep. goal that came from the kicking that Frost took ended up in the goal to, I've forgotten who it was now, but it was end-to-end within five seconds. Um, and Mark Robinson, the Herald Sun, his story on Saturday morning was talking about Melbourne winning with, uh, I think it was dog-ugly football or whatever. I, I no. didn't feel that way. I, I feel like they're as attractive a side to watch as I've seen go around in the last few years. Well, part of being attractive is being able to split the Red Seas, do a Moses at, at stoppages. And mm. no team does it better than Melbourne because of Max Gorn. To me, the most attractive football is out of the middle, 
beautifully timed tap and you're away, or mm. from a stoppage. Now, they're the team that does it more often than any other team, and I don't care about the stats of hit-outs one or hit-outs to advantage. I'm talking about hit-outs to clear advantage. Uh, yeah. And Max Gorn sets them up. That's beautiful football for me. And centre bounce. I, I think yeah. centre bounce is a bit, centre bounce, there. Yeah, and it's been a big factor, this final series. From Jam Telly, I was there Friday night, felt like the Bulldogs final two years ago. All the support in the crowd for the Ds, no love for the Hawks. Obviously, the recent success does that. Yeah, I think, I mean, well, how far back do you go with the Hawks? I think the novelty of the Hawks wore off in the 1970s, didn't it? But I was going to ask you about where they're at. I mean, I, I don't think they have... I think they've done a fantastic effort to get back to this stage and finish the regular season top four, given they were 1-5 at the start of last year and everyone in the football world said they are done for the next few years at least. So um, I don't think they're that far off. I, I think they need another one or two midfielders. Yeah, they do. I think they probably need another key forward. Um, and, yeah, you just wonder how much left in the tank the likes of Sean Burgoyne have. Well, Burgoyne and Roughhead have been faithfully rewarded for great careers and their great cont contribution to the club with another season. Time will tell whether that is wise. At the moment, as you said here, I would have thought that whilst not calling time on their careers, that had it been player A and B, not Roughhead and Burgoyne, that would have been it for them. Yeah, possibly. I mean, they have got credits in the bank, though, haven't they? Uh, Liam Kelly says, below the knees, what a joke. And yeah, a couple examples weren't well, remember, there. Remember last the week? Jordan they, Lewis one last was the week they one. let them go. Mm. And this week, Lewis and Brayshaw get... Mm. I thought the Lewis one was the shocker because he, he clearly got to the contest first. And actually, it's funny, I was in the uh, press box yep. and Patrick Keane from the AFL was there. And when that was given, I turned around and I said... What's he supposed to do? And Patrick said, keep his feet. And I said, okay, keep his feet. But if he keeps his feet, he basically surrenders the ball to the opponent because there's no way he could have kept his feet and reached the ball. Yeah. That It's just so fundamentally against... It's ca it's against sorry, it's against the most fundamental principle of the game. Get the ball. All right, here's the thing. You and I have been watching football for around the same period about of time. About 258 years. Yeah, well, we've been watching it for 45 years thereabouts and played some, and I tell you, it's the first rule that when it is a free kick's given, okay, I understand why. But the moment it's happening, it's so against the nature of our Counter -intuitive. game. Counterintuitive. It is, and it is, and, and basically it is the basic instinct of a footballer, see ball, get ball. Mm. Now... I'm I, sorry, but anyone who says basic instinct, the first thing I think of is Sharon Stone. Understood. This is not about legs open. It's a, this is about, well, this is about... I was wondering how you're going to find a Well, it's not about legs open. It's about legs being taken. I fully understand, especially on a wet or greasy night, players cannonballing, you know, diving on the ball and going through and taking out four or five pins, as it were. Mm. Dangerous stuff. But it was a total overreaction to one incident, which is now... What year was that? 2011, With I reckon. With your bloke? My bloke. Wasn't it an ex-Essendon player? No, that was Gary Rowan on oh, Lindsay there was, Thomas. Yeah, but there was also one with, uh, was it Oliver Renshaw or one of those? What oh, that your... long ago. Yeah. Oh, there have been incidents. Yeah. Um, look, something needs to be done about, there's no question, something needs to be done about a free kick. And when I was umpiring, it was one that I, 
also found myself paying just when I thought about it. Sort of blew the whistle for too high and then, oops, something needs to be done about a free kick that players are not modifying their behaviour for. Look, if the idea was to modify behaviour, it's not happening because they're still going for the ball. Nathan Harris says, how does Melbourne combat the Twin Towers of the Eagles? Throw in Lysette and Vardy, do they have the height in the back half? Well, it's an issue, but it's an issue for every team they play against. I think what they do is prevent the ball getting in there. Now, um, I am particularly loving my stats at the moment, Finey. I can tell you, because I looked this up, that Melbourne concede fewer inside 50s than any other team in the competition. So they prevent the ball getting down there. If it does get down there, I think Sam Frost has been excellent of late. Beyond that, yeah, it's an issue. Sam Frost, just in the heat of the Hawthorne comeback on Friday night, made a couple of blues. Mm. He then found himself and took a great intercept mark, was part of the response. So... It, it is all about how the ball comes down there, isn't it? Yeah. I think a, a, a more telling factor is not the height in the West Coast forward line. It's been their brilliant pressure applied by Cripps and Ryan and Rioli, and that cannot be underestimated mm. because the ball... Melbourne will be happy to get the ball to the ground. Mm. Do not think it's one when it's on the ground because West Coast have got some factors there. No, absolutely. They've got a big challenge on their hands. There's no argument about that. Uh, Tony TC. Actually, Tony gave me a call on uh, the wash-up on AFL Nation last night, so thanks for that, Tony. Uh, which West Coast players will nullify Melbourne's mids? Well, that's their big challenge, isn't it? Because I don't think there's much question Melbourne has the deeper midfield. Well, you're talking about... Well, you you go. Well, I'm just... They're not nullify... I'm almost going to say they're not nullifiable. You see, unlike, for example, Mitchell, who counts his... Tom Mitchell, who counts, and we count his uh, performance on the almost ticker... You know, the possessions as they tick over. The influence of Viney and Clayton Oliver and Brayshaw in getting first hands on the ball and just getting the clearance is not taggable. Mm. You know, everybody's in there trying to get yeah, the ball. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a good point. They're, they're not free-running players that are just going to be stopped in their tracks. Mm. These are guys who are working at the coalface, and I guess maybe that's what Mark Robinson was pointing to. Their movement and their ability to just keep it going forward through those stoppages can't be tagged. They've got great reaction speed, haven't they? Clayton Oliver, we talked about the incident last week with Joel Selwood, but there are a couple of passages against the Hawks too where his, his hands are so quick. Well, you know, Hawthorne, because of their possession game, when they won those three premierships, they made it part of their armoury, and unfortunately other teams adopted this, that when they were tackled and they had the, their hands on the ball, they would look for a stoppage mm. rather than the risk of it being turned over so they could reset. Melbourne don't play like that, neither do Richmond. And Clayton Oliver is magnificent. You tackle him, and all of a sudden he's a foot off the ground and handballing over your head. He really knows how to just release the ball. Uh, last one on this game from Colin. I can't remember the players, but a Hawks player was tackled and speared into the ground. The player might have broken his neck. No free kick was given. Did you both see the incident? I don't remember it, to be uh, perfectly speared honest. Speared into the ground. I can't recall it. No, I can't. Um, if you've got a name of the player, maybe it'll jolt our memory. All right. Well, if someone wants to weigh in that with that one, go right ahead. We're going to move on. Just, just this, I know, I know you don't like this. You know, no, no, no. I, I just wanted to say that yep. someone suggested that we have t-shirts, Footyology TV t-shirts made up yep. with a quote underneath. Can I just say one more thing? Good. 
they, that is the sort of motto of this program. We love it. And, and we not, want you to say one It's not thing. me who says it. Go on. But then what would your T-shirt say? Um, shut the F up, finally, and get on with it. We're over time. No, this is important. There is something that Melbourne have to count, prepare for, or how do they prepare for? Look, it's a, a dollar forty, a dollar forty-five. It's a one forty-five start in Perth. And is it? I thought it was. Yeah, okay. I thought it was one twenty, but it's an afternoon game potentially. Yeah, it is an afternoon game in the heat of. It's, it's supposed to be hot. Too. Correct in yeah. the heat of what is predicted to be a. a near 30-degree day. Yep. Can Melbourne prepare for that? And is that going to be the, the knockout blow that unfortunately takes the demons out, which would be unfair? How, how, how do they prepare for it? You can probably... Get, get over there a day early. Oh, maybe. But I, I reckon... Yeah, no, it's an interesting question. I, I think they'd do whatever they did when they beat them over there a month ago because whatever that was, it worked pretty well. The one good thing is Melbourne have played a bit of footy in the Northern Territory in the yeah. last couple of years. Yeah, I was going to say Maybe that. that helps. We can prepare for, you know, sort of uh, hot humidity, not so much dry heat, I don't think. One more. Uh, Tony, Rowan's T-shirt would have an image of him playing air guitar with Finey not knowing where to look. <laughs> Finey doesn't know where to look anyway at best of times. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the, um, was this the first or the second uh, semi-final? Yes, and we've got it on the screen. Second semi-final between Collingwood and GWS and a win to an inaccurate Collingwood, 9-15-69, defeating GWS, 9-5-59. Well, it was freezing last night, the MCG. I can say that with some authority. Uh, it was wet at stages. It was greasy, not great conditions. And it was a bit of a ugly scrap of a game, let's be honest. But the Pies showing the pluck we've now become very used to finally uh, did what they need to do. Could have put it, put it to bed a lot earlier had they kicked accurately. But they were challenged in patches as well and uh, once again emerged on top. An amazing scoreline. When you look at after the... Quarter time where Collingwood dominated like no other team has dominated. At one point, they were on 17 points as a total, mm. two goals, five. They'd been inside 50 17 times. Now, I don't love the inside 50 stat, but given the other mob had been inside there twice, yeah. uh, it was a pretty telling stat. Well, it was 22, <clears throat> the inside 50s were 22 9 at uh, quarter time. At one stage, it was 11 2. Yeah. To Collingwood. Yeah, well, it was up to 17-3, I think. Yeah. So, all right, from that point on, if you have a look at the scores, 4-9 to 4-2, 6-12 to 7-3, 9-15 to 9-5, you might think this was a ding-dong battle. You know, it wasn't, because all those behinds, all those scoring shots, although missed, were telling a tale. Mm. And GWS did, you know, flick the tail a couple of times. Well, they kicked six out of seven goals. They did, and... Look, there was that all-important goal that, I mean, Leon Cameron must have been absolutely furious at that goal just before half-time. Mm. Well, they got two. They got one after the siren at quarter time, the Pies, didn't yeah. they? And then the Dugowie one. I mean, they really had they had done them a dinner in that, yeah. in that quarter. Yeah. And they'd kept them goalless. Yeah. With 30 seconds to go, GWS actually had the ball in the centre mm. and kicked it. Now... You just don't want to concede a goal when you've got it in the centre of the ground and kick, and you're able to kick it. But, you know, <clears throat> it's funny because Roy Lobb had just taken a beautiful mark mm. and kicked a great goal. Wasn't that a great mark and goal for the night? That was a ripper. But he, 
it maybe overplayed his hand going down the other end because if he didn't go for it, there were two GWS players who would have chess marked it. I, I've got to say, I um, we'll talk about the pies in a sec. I'm pretty disappointing by the Giants for me. I, look, I know they've had a lot of adversity this year with injuries again for a second year in a row. But um, I, I'm still in my own thunder here because I will sort of expand on this. But I, I felt once Collingwood kicked those first three goals of the last quarter um, in under five minutes, it was game over. Now, you shouldn't feel like that. 21 points of difference, okay, but you're less than five minutes into the last quarter of a game. You should think that this side that is down still has a chance. I thought they were no chance from that moment, and I reckon 99% of people at the ground thought the same. You know, they threw everything at them that they had, which just wasn't very much. Him, no. Himmelberg, who's had a good season, yeah, he didn't, have a didn't good not have a good game. That's no. just stupid. <clears throat> he had the opportunity the to, tap. Gra- to grab the ball yeah. and handball it to whoever was in the goal square yeah. or try and kick it himself. You know, fancy pants taps at that stage of... Uh, do-or-die final are going to look bad on your resume, and it did. I thought they had, um, you know, guys who are generally keys for the Giants who just didn't have that much influence. Callum Ward was one of them. I thought mm. he was pretty subdued by yep. his standards. Yes. The other one was Dylan Shield. Like, 22 disposals he's ended up with, but I didn't feel like he really impacted the game in any meaningful way. I don't think those conditions suit Dylan at all. No. You know, he made a couple of nice moves and... and Beat the traffic a couple of times. Yeah. But Dylan Shields, as has been pointed out, he's not a hard ball winner. Mm. He's a, you know, he's a great driver through traffic, but slippery ball, pressure of a final, that wasn't his go. I'll tell you what, if Delidio they... played well, though. He was okay. He was okay. Good hands. Yeah, I just wonder, you know, Ryan Griffin's now announced his retirement. Yep. I wonder where they're going to go list wise. We should talk about the Pies. I mean, they just. Heroes to the Pies keep bobbing up. Uh, again, I don't want to sell my own thunder, but Tom Langdon, outstanding. And Braden Main, uh, Maynard's job on um, Toby Green, sensational. It was pivotal. Yeah, Toby Green, <laughs> and don't want to steal my thunder, was one of three star players second up. Let's yeah, just say yeah. he didn't do as well as the other two. Yeah, well, it can happen, can't it? Yeah. Um, Harder hard when you're a forward and you are judged on the scoreboard. But, we, you know, all over the ground, the Pies have found a way, haven't they? Brody Mychek's a great example of that up forward. Yep. Do we? They're going to go into that preliminary final, uh, you know, fairly long outsiders. Do, do we give them a genuine chance? Yeah, I do, because, again, they have been forced into putting a team together that is, uh, you know, a patchwork quilt, mm. which is harder to prepare against than a more settled lineup. Mm. They've also got players that, well, let's face it, they can play, they can kill you in a burst. You know, we haven't seen much of Thomas for the last couple of weeks, mm. but we know that he's capable of goals. Well, he bobbed up, you know, with the first two of the game, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, your first couple. But he's the sort of player that can really do you when it counts at the end yeah. of the game. We know Dugowie is, he's, he's got Max Winner written all Absolutely, over him. Yep. Varco's got that, still got that special something. I don't think it's the sort of team Richmond would like to play against. They would have much preferred GWS, who they know pretty I agree, well. I agree with that. All right, let's get to some questions. Fire them in, folks. Uh, Luke Howie asks, how good can Dugowie be? He, to me, I think this analogy's been drawn, but he, to me, he's their Dacos of, the, of this decade. Uh, not quite the, the level of magic that Dakes had, but um, just that capacity to burst 
and you know just a, a bit of class when needed. And I think uh, he's been wonderful for him. He, he reminds me of somebody else when playing forward. He reminds me of Darren Jarman. You know, he's oh, yeah. he's got he's got a solid body. He he times his leads perfectly, which I found Jarman was his great skill. People remember Jarman picking up the ball and snapping, but mm. Jarman was far more Great on precise lead. than mm. that, and he just knew how to lead yeah. out of the forward line. Judgment. Yeah, really yeah well, a good. number of times to go, he was able to work his way in front of... Um, who was his opponent again? Um, I had it written down. I'll tell you who he played on. Um, uh, Bunting? I well, started on Bunting. No, Haynes. I think Haynes, he ended up yep. on Haynes. Go on. Compare that to Cameron and how many times he ran underneath the ball. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he was ordinary as well. Tony says, uh, is Collingwood's possible problem that if Dugowie is shut down, where do our goals come from? We're not kicking high scores. Only nine goals. Well, my response to that would be 9 15. That's 24 scoring shots. That's pretty handy. Yeah, Richmond put the clamps on too. <clears throat> they do. You have a look at their last four finals, including the grand final. It's the same modus operandi. They don't really care what they score in the first half, but they strangle the opposition so they're only two or three goals at half time. And that takes a lot of players out of the game. Yeah, they don't allow so many entries either, do they? It's not just about making the shots you do get difficult. Uh, Belinda Smith, was Josh Kelly the missing link last night? Absolutely one of. Uh, I mean, I felt. Uh, I, I was always confident Collingwood was going to win, but I felt if GWS did win. It would be by virtue of that outside run and perhaps a bit of extra class. Kelly is the epitome of that, and they didn't have him at their disposal. How do you replace Josh Kelly? I mean, mm. he's one of the stars of the game. Effectively, Toby Green didn't play either. That was a huge loss from the week before. Well, the other big loss, and you've got to go back to round two, but Tom Scully. I mean, a yeah. massive loss for them all year. And I know Patton was dropped during the year, but... Their ruck stocks are so thin. You've got to understand that... And Heath Shaw's a big loss because when you consider the, the players that... Look, Sam <clears throat> Reid actually played all right last night. Yeah, he was all right. Lockie Keefe shouldn't be in your best 22. Mm. I know that's hard on the bloke, but he's not much... He's not great in the ruck and he's not great out of the ruck. So mm. Matt DeBoer tries, but he's actually quite slow. A couple of times last night, as the small forward... He didn't do his work. And while Zach Langdon kicked a great goal in the third quarter, he too wasn't menacing at the drop of the ball. And Griffin and a couple of others, they're a bit slow at the drop, weren't they? I'll ask a quick one on the Giants. Do we? Because this is constantly asked, and I know Giants people hate it when it comes up, but do, do you feel like the Giants players as a group would sort of die for the jumper in the same way that you sort of feel it with the Collingwood players at the moment? Of course not. They, they lose... Look, they name their great players. Every year they've lost top players. Mm. Kelly signed a two-year extension. That's hardly a resounding, I want to be here for the rest <clears> of my life. Dylan Shield may want to leave. It, there, there is not that core want to win a premiership that is often driven by a large and hungry and demanding supporter base. It's not their fault. Well, how do, they, how do they get it? Well, that's the thing. It's not their fault. But, mm. you know, when the sheds are half full and your fans don't really know what it's like to hunger for a premiership so your board doesn't and 
There's just not that feeling there that it's that important. It's a catch twenty two though, isn't it? Because you probably you get that feeling when you do start winning a premiership, but yeah. how well, do you win a premiership without that feeling? The idea was to overcompensate by making them so talented it didn't matter. Mm. But the problem was you can only fit twenty two people in the lifeboat mm. and they've lost They've lost a team that could beat the team that's currently playing. Yeah, possibly. Uh, last one on this game from Matt Williams. Hi, lads. I don't think they played overly well, they being the pies. Yep. I hope they can play better this week or they'll be smashed. Ace out, more in. Is it time to roll the dice? More can play wing, back or forward. Thoughts? I'd bring more in, yeah. Not for Aish. Look, they're, they're coming up against this sharp, small forward line, and Aish is not a bad, small back. Would you bring more in? No. Nope. No, I reckon he's pretty... I Who for? Yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, Cox is... No, not for Cox. Cox plays because he's <clears throat> extraordinary. I mean, he's not brilliant, <clears throat> but he's very hard. No one can stop him when he's going for a mark, except the only person that can stop Cox is Cox. What about uh, Sia? Sire, Sia. He's a big body. Mm. He came off injured, but he came back on, and I think the coach really likes him, so... Uh. It's not for me to... I just think they, they they wouldn't want to sort of bank on Richmond, the cliche about Richmond not having an overly tall forward structure because yeah. it's a structure which plays taller than it is. And we've talked about how Caddy is representative of that. Of course. And, and Rewalt. Believe me, if there is the slightest doubt, and there is the slightest <clears throat> doubt about Darcy Moore being a Collingwood next year, he's not being brought into the team that has just won you know, a great final and played another good final against West Coast. That, yeah. would, that would be, that would really be sort of, um, you know, salt on the snail of of confidence and of team self-belief. It'll shrivel it. Is it actually an expression, salt on the snail? Well, do it. You'll see what I'm talking about. Well, I'm, yeah, I might. Uh, Brendan Wrigley, are the Giants close to a flag now or further away? I love your gum, by the way, Brendan. <laughs> Wrigley. <laughs> um, further away for me. Uh, and... No, I'm going to steal my own thunder. But, yeah, I'll explain why shortly. Okay, there's the wraparound for this week. It's time now, finally, for Air Guitar and Hot or Not. Where do I look? So embarrassing. Oh, God, I think I've just had an aneurysm. Uh, All right, I've only got two more of them to do, thank God. All right, Hot or Not. I'm kicking us off. It's with a hot. His name is Tom Langdon. I thought Langdon was pretty solid last week against, I'm seeing double, mm-hmm. against West Coast in Perth last week. But I thought he went to another level against uh, the Giants Saturday night. He can play, t- he plays a lot taller than his height. His out, um, last quarter was as good a defensive last quarter as I've seen in a final. Ten disposals. Seven marks in the last quarter, and four of those seven marks were intercept marks, the most valuable kind. Yep. Giants just kept kicking it to him, which wasn't a great reflection on them. But he reads the ball beautifully. I thought he was superb, Langdon. Finished the game with 21 disposals and 10 marks. He was terrific. Played an absolute ripper of a game and very, to me, symbolic of this side. The guys who aren't necessarily... Highly rated, but they just do their job, and he was fantastic. He's a good foil for <clears throat> Jeremy Howe in that, you know, Jeremy Howe is such a magnificent area. Just on Jeremy Howe, is, is 
anybody ever checked his athletic ability in terms of a scientific analysis? What, his leap? Yeah. It, I'm it's, sure someone has. But it, it's sort of extraordinary. You think he's not human? Or he should be competing for Australia in the high jump, or well, I've never seen a footballer like him, and there's never been there's never been anything. That, no, he he is the best high mark the uh, the game of football's ever seen. Without a run up, I've never seen anything like it. He can just sort of be standing and then flying. Yeah, that's a big call, that isn't it? I mean, people say, what about Jezza? What about no, no, no. Trevor this Barker? Guy is... This guy does it. Well, yeah. Actually, he hasn't done it as frequently in recent times, but. The only guy that I think was ever like him was Brett Burton, who could be relied upon, relied upon to fly. But when you've got somebody like that, uh, your other half-back players need to be, or don't need to be, but they're not going to have that ability. They need something else, and he is so sturdy. Have you ever taken a hanger yourself? Have you ever taken one? Yeah. Well, Good feeling, kid. isn't it? Yeah. But you think it's much higher than it is. <laughs> well, after I took mine, I went around and got the opinions of about 30 different people, and I was assured it was a reasonable grab. It was actually in a Age versus Herald Sun social football match. I've been, more importantly, I've been hanged upon. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's not good. By Andrew Ma. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He Tell took me one absolute story. ripper on me. Oh, no, don't go public with that. We'll never it's hear true. the end of it. But, but, yeah, look, Langdon's fantastic. Yeah. And you mentioned Maynard. I'm pretty sure Langdon's a Sandringham Dragon for around the same time as Maynard, Nathan Freeman, they all sort of came, went around the same time. And not Freeman, he was a top pick, but Maynard had all the attributes when he was playing of one of the Brayshaws. Mm. And I think he went at the same draft <clears throat> as at Melbourne's Angus, but a lot later. So Maynard's a sandy boy. Yeah. I, I sort of wanted him to be from, I don't know, Coolaroo or... Um, no, he's the Sandrian Dragon. Somewhere like that. He's just got that gritty sort of... Okay, you're up. There plenty of good product out of that join I'll tell you uh, my first hot are the two players that were playing their second game after long breaks Trelaw of Collingwood and Viney of Melbourne I guess it, it, it's based in sound reasoning that your second game from a long break can be difficult uh, your body goes in fresh to the first game but it's like that second game of golf after you haven't played golf for six months first yeah. game you're thinking wow yeah, because <laughs> second game you're thinking oh, I know why I haven't been playing but it's, that's very true actually the first one you're satisfied with a few nice contacts yeah. and then you think mm, maybe I can do something here. sorry but go back to these players and when you consider the finals and the extra physical burden and mental burden that a final has, I was all prepared for Trelaw and Viney not to be um, invisible, but to be less obtrusive than they normally would be. But they both were close to best on ground. Trelaw's um, last, last quarter, quarter was Well, I telling. mentioned Langdon. Trelaw yeah. had 12 disposals in the last quarter. Yeah, telling. And this is a guy that tore both hamstrings. <clears throat> and as for Viney, this is a guy who missed most of the year. Mm. And they both finished probably better than anybody else on the field yeah. in their respective games. Not bad. Yeah, no, good call. Uh, a not for me, and we did touch on this before, but GWS, and in answer to that earlier question, uh, yeah, they got within 10 points, but I felt it was a deceptive 10 points. Yep. The bottom line remains, injuries aside, they have got further away from a flag with each year. Six points away from a grand final 2016. Six goals away from a grand final, 2017 and 2018. Yep, they finished sixth. So where do they go from here? Um, I, I think they've got to now steer away from 
you know, now that Griffin's retired, we don't know yep. where Deledio's at. I mean, Deledio's a bit younger than Griffin, isn't he? Or yeah, the... Deledio would be hopeful of a pre-season and having a good year next year, whether, I, whether that happens, of course. But I, I really think they've got to just crack in on, on the younger guys on that list now and keep pushing them through. You know, guys like... Um, Kennedy. Perryman, who was perhaps a bit stiff to get dropped. And Kennedy, who came back yep. late in the year, yep. showed something. Look, a backline with Kennedy, Williams and Haynes, mm. I think, can be built around without, you know... Yeah, so they missed Williams all year, didn't they? Yeah, and Heath Shaw sort of um, takes the bulk of the exit work at that club. I think they need to move on from that mm. and put the hands ball in the hands of these younger guys, Williams and Haynes in particular. They're good dashers. Well, yeah, well, I, I felt... All year, and it, it, it's hard to say to what extent it was a consequence of the injuries, but I felt like they focused almost too much on toughening up defensively this year and sort of threw the baby out with the bathwater a bit. Their strong suit is that dash, you know, the orange tsunami thing that was happening yep. a couple of years ago. They've got to get that back. There's some almost indescribable... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm thinking zeitgeist, and I, I don't know why, but there's something missing there that that something just isn't clicking with them well, at the moment. Yeah, well, it is that intangible, but it is what they. It's sort of over time, each year that they've played, the fact that these kids were number one draft picks and the best of their generation. <clears throat> it's sort of eroding. Mm. It's not. It's not consolidating into something. It's being stripped from them. And to that point, there's a guy there who played, I think, just about every game this year who was a top three draft pick. That kid, Taranto, looks anything but a, a polished footballer. He was going all right early in the year. He just seems yeah. to have fallen away. Yeah, and he, he seems to be lost in the... in the um, What is... It's not an embarrassment of richness. It reaches. It's now an embarrassment of precocious youngsters, not necessarily brilliant senior footballers. Yeah, no, I agree with that. All right, your turn. And they need a ruckman, mate. Yeah. It, it matters. I think Dawson Simpson could be okay. He's an injury-prone footballer. Okay, I'll go for a not. Well, no, I'll go for another hot. I'll go for another hot, just to okay. upset you. Yeah. Um, when Melbourne saw an opportunity with Essendon's travails to pick up a couple of players. Now, I don't know who's responsible for picking these two players. Actually, they picked well. They picked... I do. The coach. He had a very, very... No. Their current coach. Goodwin. A very, very good connection with both the guys. Okay, well, I'll tell you, they are... Wow. Melcham is not the same Melcham that left Essendon. No, he's not. Hibbert is. A year off. Correct. Hibbert has kept on being exactly the play that Melbourne needed in the back line to teach their other backmen to be, you know, sturdy, hard-nosed practitioners. And to be fair, Essendon never, ever wanted to lose him. I think they could live with losing Jake. Yeah, they, the Jake they lost, they could live with losing. <coughs> Nobody would want to lose the Jake that he's become. Mm. In between keeping the ball in the forward line or kicking goals... He's very instructional. I saw him a number of times on Friday night positioning Hannon and speaking to Spargo, making sure that these younger players were not, especially after a goal to Melbourne, were not over-exuberant and leaving their 
designated area, so he's mm. an on-field leader. Yeah. Well, it's it's a different Jake Meldrum, and you know, during the year we we speculated he could be all Australian, and uh, he wasn't. But I tell you what, he's as good as anybody in that team on a half full flank. It is a credit to Simon Goodwin, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I I, I think does uh, he need to be harnessed? Did he need to be harnessed? Probably. Well, I think uh, Goodwin was really highly rated at Essendon as an assistant coach. Yep. Um, and you're seeing why now. He had a fantastic connection with those players. Melksham had been tried in that sort of role with Essendon, but you know whether the instructions weren't right or he wasn't encouraged enough. Um, I certainly, you know, with my bomber hat on, I, I was one who sort of lost patience with him. I never would have thought he would have got to this level that he has um, in the space of a couple of seasons. You know, it's been phenomenal. He's added all those little bits that the Ability at Essendon <clears throat> needed. The hard work off the ball, the leading up the field. There's times where he reminds me a bit of Tom Lynch. He works very... Yeah. Of Adelaide, works hard up the field. Yeah, yeah. He's very good at All right, uh, last one for me. Another demon, another hot. And uh, this one's to stick it up you, Finey. I'm going with Christian Petrarca, who has been the subject of a knot from you, I think, a couple of times this season. Well, last week. Uh, was that last week? Yeah. I thought he was terrific. Uh, 22 disposals, kicked a goal... Two goal assists from memory, equal second most disposals for his team. Seven inside fifty, so clearly he was working up the ground pretty frequently. Uh, but what a beautiful kick of the footy he is, and he's got a bloody good footy brain. Finding and it came into focus several times on Friday night. Um, the one kick in particular, I, I can't single yeah, out exactly what it was. Exactly in, the, it was. in the third quarter, the centre. Oh no, there was one one coming off half back as well. There was one where he sort of got it. He got the ball somewhere between wing and half forward, mm. and just instinctively turned around and laced it forty-five, fifty meters to. I'm not a hundred percent sure who. Well, the the point I was going to make was it's the pace on his kicking. You yeah. know, some guys. I'm not just talking about quick kicking. The pace he puts on his kick. Of course, that's key. And yeah. it, it's that is the key to how Melbourne attack. When you ask why Billy Hartong got delisted, I mean, mm. it's almost as simple as that. You can't kick floaters in football. Mm. Mm. In fact, you saw one of the kicks by... Um, one of the telling goals in that last quarter from Melbourne came from a bit of a Hawthorne floater into the centre of the ground. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I can see it now. Who was that from? And just when the ball hangs, you're in trouble. Now... Absolutely nothing got to do with the spray last week, but I really felt that Petrarca had been instructed to be, you know, that Christian, we don't need you to win the game for us. Yes, when you came to the club, there were a couple of times you did, and that was great, because mm. he was selfless, almost to um, the point of over-selflessness on Friday night. Don't see yourself short-finding. I think your not last week really would have stung. To no. a, uh, I think it would have. I don't think it did, but I think <laughs> I think what we were talking about, what I was talking about, <clears throat> would have been mentioned by the coach. You know, there was just... It's not that he's not a team player. He gets accused of trying to do too much. It's not that he's... But, you know, there was such a deliberate intent by him, two hands at every ball, yeah. not off to the races before I've completed, I'll do task B after task A. There was yeah. a more deliberate There was a more deliberate plan of attack by him to the entire game, 
and he's such a talented player, yeah. it, it comes easily to him. And again, a bloke who could make the difference between them being able to win a flag or not, him playing at 100% of his capacity. Did you see him give it to Sicily as well? He's Yeah. Look, he's of that ilk. Yeah. He, you know, and what that's, do you mean he's of that ilk? Italian? No, no, that's <laughs> what I meant. He's off Sicily. <laughs> Sicily? No, no, what I meant is he's he's one of those types. He's... he's Got self belief, you know. Yeah. He's, he, I don't reckon there'd be too many go- opponents of James Sicily who wouldn't mind giving him a gobble. Yeah, to be perfectly. I'm honest. saying, but Petrarca was the one, and he wasn't Petrarca's direct man. Yeah. So Petrarca actually had to negotiate who he was playing on at the time. Yeah. And <laughs> get out of the way! I'm talking to Sicily. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, at that point, there was no response for James because the game was over. All right, finishes it off. Look, uh, we've touched on it, so it doesn't need a whole lot of going back over. But the finals are not hot. No, I agree. One I decent agree. game. I think Collingwood West Coast, the standout. Yeah. Last year, one decent game that no one watched, West Coast Port Adelaide. Mm. I mean, how many people honestly watched that game? I guess in it, it, it depends how you define a decent game, but we're talking about close scores, yeah. entertaining, aesthetically pleasing, reasonably open football. Even closer would get it, get it done for me in a final. Okay, can I just throw up a factor here that people might dismiss, but night footy. You've got a bigger chance of a scrappy game at night than you have during the day because of the dew. Yep, you do. And that still doesn't mean that we can't get a close game. Look, we had that round this year, remember? I can't remember what round it was, about 16 or 17, when the first four games all were within a kick and they were all rippers. It's just how the pendulum is swinging at the moment because Mm. there's no doubt that that GWS Collingwood game could have gone down to the wire. And last year, there's a couple of games that may have. Richmond were dominant in their matches and they're making it tough because they've played four finals in a row where they've really put the other team to sleep. It worries me that we're seeing it in finals, though, because... It is a pity. I mean, you know, we talk about finals football. If this is becoming the trademark of finals football, I'm just worried about how memorable... Well, these final series you know will be. I went back and had a look at Collingwood when they won four in a row, 27 to 30. They screwed up a few final series. They were just too good. Yeah. They lost one final in that whole time, and apparently they did that on purpose. When you when you said I, I had a look, I was thinking, where'd you uncover that footage? That's no, a, no, I'm a saying I just went and had a look at the scores. And Melbourne, through their dominance of the 50s, 55 to yeah, 60, they really, you know, there wasn't a lot of close football being played then. So. No. There weren't too many nail bottles. Richmond might just have us, you know, down to rights. Um, okay, we've got a, uh, uh, a uh, what do you call someone who watches it? Oh, a viewer hot from Malcolm says the <laughs> torpedoes in the first quarter can be a real weapon. Yeah, well, uh, did that goal late Melbourne got from the kick in from Sam Frost, was that a torp? Was? Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Okay. Mr. Music reckons it was a torp. He's a good judge. And when you're kicking in, if you miss kick a torp, they still go outside 50. Yeah. They seem to be pretty safe. I mean, when Dustin Fletcher was kicking in, that was just such an advantage. You know, you know what I thought when I first saw that? I thought uh, that was Tom Petty's band. The torpedo. Yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, he's no longer with us. Are they going solo now? I've got to ask. Maybe after, after the rant. I do have to ask. All right. Ask, okay, one more from Malcolm. When a player's over the ball and required to get the ball out of the area and penalise for it, why is not the defender expected to do the same to make an effort to get the ball out? I think this rule has become exploited by defenders and the players making the play and in front is getting penalised. 
Oh, there's no doubt in the last quarter in finals, and you only have to look at the VFL today. If you wanted to keep the ball in defensively... Oh, they weren't a go. Yeah, except for that one free to uh, Box Hill, which the guy missed. So didn't which one was that? Oh, don't the big, The big tall, number 39. He just got given a, a free kick out in a marking contest when previously axes were being brought on the I'll field. I'll tell you what, there's no, no grumbling about the VFL final series. No, it's right. been a corker. Or the NRL. I've watched two games. Melbourne Storm versus the Rabbitohs was unbelievable. Or the Sandful, where uh, North Adelaide came from 47 points down against the Eagles. Or, or the Mornington Peninsula Football League, where Pines got up after the siren. And actually, I've got uh, someone sent me a video of the finish of that. So uh, congratulations to Pines Football Club. Or the first one-day cricket game for the <laughs> year. See what happened there? No, I don't. Or what happened? Victoria played Queensland today. Where was that? In Townsville. Victoria made 240, Queensland was 6 for 79, yeah. but then they were 8 for 225 and coasting, but uh, a very unlikely match winner in Nick hey, Madison. How do you find the time to watch? Webster, oh, no, I didn't watch it. I followed it ball by ball yeah, on my okay. phone. Victoria won by f- about 10 runs or shouldn't 14, be playing, 13 runs. Shouldn't be playing cricket in Australia in September. Well, they were, and Victoria won. But just, just let me say this. No, just... Remind me to ask you what you make of the grand final selections for entertainment. No, ask me now. Okay, what do you make of them? Shit house. Um, no, no, I, I don't mind Barnsley, but Black Eyed Peas. Seriously. Oh, 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 oh. I mean, that, he's a working player. That that should be played the same time as Mike Brady singing. But hang on, Black Eyed Peas. Who is actually that appealing to? It's obviously not appealing to what's, Mike. What's the lead singer, Flouncy or something? No, she's not even there anymore. Fergie, she's oh, gone. Not Flouncy. Will I Am, and I don't know who the other one's called. You know, what is it? Apple D App. Apple D App. Apple D App. But I mean, the thing is that they don't appeal to us, and they, I don't think they appeal to people in the contemporary sort of R and B sort of. What do you class Black Eyed Peas, Mister Music? You're about. 15. I'm excited. They're R&B. Oh, he's excited? Okay, yeah. Mr. Music's I, excited. I've heard a bit of Black Eyed Peas, and I'm not certain that they're not doing a Millie Vanilli some of the time. Okay, well, I threw it out there again. I, I, I wasn't going to get involved in the argument, but someone tweeted me about it, and I took up the cudgels. Hoodoo Gurus, one of the best live acts this country's ever seen, never played the grand final. Yeah, I know they did the NRL theme song, That's My Team, they played the... How good would the Gurus be, Finey? Yeah, not bad. Got a better one? I, I, I really think Fatboy Slim would be brilliant. Yeah, you're just trying to get hip with the kids, aren't you? I can tell. No, he's about my age. <laughs> oh, yeah, but the kids And like, he's a sports know? person because he's he? the ex, ex-chairman of Watford Football Club. Oh, do you have to be a museo? To... No, not Watford. That was Elton that was John. John. He yeah. was <laughs> the ex-chairman of Brighton and Hove Albion. Oh, okay. The other band I'd like to see is... I remember they were on before either an NRL Grand Final or an NRL State of Origin. Yep. And they they take you to some town. What town did they... Funky Town? No, no, the other town. <laughs> um, Pseudo Echo covering Lip Sync. Not Funky Town. No, no, it wasn't Funky Town. Uh, um, that's good, Fanny. That's. Uh, I'll tell you where. I don't know Belinda I says ACDC. I think they might be out of the price range for the AFL. They well, paid about 20 Well, who's their lead singer? Life. Yeah, well, who's their uh, rhythm guitarist? Macklemore. Oh, Macklemore? Oh, great. No, what? well, they did uh, the NRL grand final last year, didn't they? Okay. Um, 
Macklemore. Yeah. They did. They also did. They also do did. Do you want that. to tell me what town? Do you want me to tell you what town it was? After I say that Macklemore also did that thrift shop thing, which was number one in their Triple J Hottest 100. Now, don't tell me, Mr. Music, you like that song. That is the biggest pile of steaming hot crap I've ever heard in my life. Save it for Mannix and oh, your other mate. Speaking about steaming hot crap. Now, I'm just going to tell you, this was before either an NRL Grand Final or a State of Origin, yeah. and I loved it. Okay. It was, take me down, 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 to pussy town. Oh, um... It was just fantastic. I mean, just to see that they showed sort of whoever the, the CEO... Yeah, but who is it? Uh, from up in Queensland, I think. Some blonde bird and a guy. They, they didn't have much more than pussy town. Okay. But I tell do you want to look it up? I mean, it was just... We've completely lost the plot here. We're going so well, too. Let's get on with it. Who were they? Rogue Traders. Rogue Traders? No, that's what's the name. Chantuzies. That's Beck and... All right, let's get on with it. Look, you know what? That could be my rant. I've already done my rant. No, I want Pussytown for the... No, 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 no. Wings along, make a grand final next. I'm not angry enough. We're just... I was going to say that. Machine gun Absolutely. Okay. I'd love to sit here, Gil, say, you know, thank you, machine gun fellatio. <laughs> oh, you do better than that. What about the uh, pizza sluts? Shower scene from Psycho. Um, you know, there's a whole show to be had in, in wacky band names. What about the... No, I can't say it. The FFs. Oh, okay. All right, let's get on with it. You know what time it is, Finey. It's that time of the night when we rant. And uh, we've got to get angry about it. I'm not angry enough. I'm not angry enough. Hit me. It's time, ladies and hit gentlemen. Me. Hit me first. All right. I'll do. You know when you wanted to hurt a kid? At Just school? hurry up and do it. Oh! Fuck them! It's time for the run off. <laughs> I'm gonna fix you right up after this. Pussy town. All right. We're nearly ready. We're not ready yet. We've just got the other Mr. Music. To... Oh. Okay. I'll be all right. Get that, get that thing up. Up, 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 up. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. That's not the way, is it? All good. Okay, let's go. Count me in, Finey. Three, two, have fun. Oh. I'm pissed off with Richmond and Collingwood, Finey. They've got some nerve setting up a preliminary final against each other and sentencing us all to a week of footy nostalgia. We're going to get a week of recollections about Kevin Bartlett's seven goals in the 1980 grand final. Royce Hart on one leg coming off the bench at halftime of the 73 preliminary with the pie six goals up and getting Richmond over the line. It's old school footy, Finey. And I reckon as far as the kids go, it's a real concern. Who knows how passionate they might get if they're exposed to all this footy culture. How are they going to take on board the sort of things about football today that really matter? Like who's on the trade table? Or which guys are going to become free agents next year so we can spend 18 months speculating about where they might play in 2020 while steadfastly ignoring what's going on now? How are they going to spend this week poring over daily updates about what designer dress this or that wag is planning to wear to the Brownlow medal? If there's all this garbage going on about which two clubs might win a premiership? And what if they get so pumped about next Friday they tell mum and dad they want to actually go to the game? 
then they might have to camp outside a ticket office like they used to in the old days to get one. Worse still, if they do go, they're not only going to miss the Channel 7 callers making it all about themselves come game time, but the big Swiss multivitamin halftime show, the Mega Wall, and all those endless promos for their other footy shows showing heaps of slow-mo cutaways of various former players looking like they're saying something really profound, but actually talking complete drivel. This is dangerous territory, Finey. You put two proud old clubs on in the second biggest game of the year, and you might have the kids thinking football culture in the past is actually worth exploring. And next thing you know, just like the old days, the AFL will even be leaving the rules alone. There you have it. What? The kids don't understand that rivalry. We grew up with Louis Richards and Jack Dyer. Jack Dyer's famous comment. He refused to watch TV because it was in black and white. He hated Collingwood so much. Correct. He had a milk bar right on the border of Collingwood and Richmond. And he'd ask the kids, who do you barrack for? And if they said Richmond, he'd say, go behind the counter and grab yourself a couple of lollies and don't worry about paying. And if they said Collingwood, he'd take the money and say, get out the door. I was thinking to say call the cops. Well, he, sure he was a copper as well. Oh, make sure his hubcaps were still on. He said, give me that, pe- give me that penny. That, give me. Now get out of the bloody store. I've got to say, and yes, in case you're unaware, I was being totally facetious there. I am really looking forward to some of the good old days stories of this week. Do you know the first final series I ever went to was 1973? Therefore, the third final, because they had series tickets, third final I ever went to was that 73 preliminary final. Yep. And I can still remember it like it was yesterday. Epic game. Well, I can tell you this. It'll be a great test of a, a, a sort of a, um, a band of new football presenters and commentators and boundary men and boundary ladies and, and talking heads. Because one of the great things about Collingwood and Richmond were the Collingwood-Richmond moors of the late 70s and 80s into the 90s. And we'll see how many of the uh, sort of um, fodder that was traded between the two clubs can be remembered or can be recalled or can be even studied up. It could take us five minutes. Quick one, Chris Wilkinson. Jack Dyer got up an hour earlier day, so he had an extra hour to hate Collingwood. That's not bad. All right. Do you want do you want to go one for one just quickly on the Collingwood Richmond Wars? Um yeah, okay. Cloak. Stewart. That's uh, Snagglepuss. Reigns. Keys. Um uh, Anir. Uh, that's that's a good one. Um Walsh. Love it. Um I'll go for oh, who was that little rover? Hang on. McCormick I'll go for. Peter McCormick. Uh, Lovell. Yeah. Uh, so you've gone Lovett and Lovell. Correct. Okay. I'll go for Pitt. Neil Pitt. Uh, yes. Drummer out of Rush. Um, uh, also played Footscray. Uh, Stewart. I said Stewart was my first Snagglepuss. Damn. Um, have we exhausted him? Walsh. I said Walsh. Uh, oh, we've had a pretty good run at Yeah, there. not bad. I'm we'll sure there's it, more where that came from. We'll call it a tie. Okay, someone might have a suggestion here. Collingwood up by 45 points in second quarter and 73 prelim and still got beaten. And six, uh, six goals at half time, Tony. And the famous story about that, Royce, of course, stuck on the bench, being preserved for the grand final. 
Uh, Graham Richmond marches up to Tommy Hope. He says, you got to get Royce on. And he said, we're saving him for the grand final. He said, there won't be a effing grand final yep. if we don't get him on. And, of course, kick two goals and the rest is history. All right, I'm counting you in, Finey. Three, two, one, rant. Do you reckon I or you have not been served up, and you as well, enough football cliches over the last weekend or week to do us for a lifetime. And I guess it's those talking heads, those newbies, some of them more aesthetic than quality, that are dishing them up. I understand that the preliminary final is the people's final. It's the one that we can all go to, get a ticket. It's much better than grand final week. It's the game that everybody gets to go to. Well, you know what? I've got some news for you people who seem to be quoting that ad nauseum. These two clubs have got 174,000 members between them. You'll need to build MCG B, a la Eddie Maguire's suggestion a couple of years ago, to fit them all in. Might not be quite the people's preliminary final you were banking on. As for Richmond Collingwood being an absolute classic, well, how do you know it's going to be a classic? We've already been told it's going to be a fantastic game. To wit, the following... Is there a game of football in the finals, which have been pretty disappointing, that is an enormous, gigantic, gigantic, huge, they're all the same thing, by the way, unbelievable, incredible, or amazing? Can't we just have a game? An okay game? A game that didn't live up to expectations? No. You're all reading from the same hymn book. And quite frankly, I know who the author is. It's your employer. And I find it all a little bit tedious. Finey, that was an epic rant. That was enormous, gigantic. gigantic and, huge. And I think uh, there could be massive ramifications massive. for Eno- the future it was rant off. It's a, let's go back to the second half of this, Megan. It's just an unbelievable, it's an incredible, incredible episode of Footyology. Now you keep going with that and I'm now going to seek into some slow-mo footage of me pointing my finger like talking footy Luke Darcy like this, looking like I'm saying something really profound, but all I'm actually saying is we're going to go to our next segment, but we haven't got a next segment, so we're going to actually end the show. No, we're going to go to That's amazing. Uh, Mitchell Harvey has given us an enormous, amazing, gigantic question. Two games remaining. Oi! Incredible. Who goes through to the big dance from here? See, Mitchell's got the big dance. Um, who goes through the big dance from here? Uh, I'm going to uh, say something absolutely amazing. Uh, Richmond and West Coast, the two favourites, are going to go through. Oh, I'm going Richmond and Melbourne. <laughs> really? Yep. Yeah. No, look, the co-tenants. These are a chance. Battle of the Co-Tenants. What was their last grand final? 1939, I think. No, 39 was Collingwood Melbourne. I watched 40, it the other night. 40. I think 40. They yeah. definitely played one in... I in, watched Collingwood Melbourne. It's on YouTube. What? The 1939 grand final? That's on YouTube. It's a, it's a, it's a talk... It's it's silent. It's got like... Yeah, yeah. It's got like a large crowd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, shows, people, shows people going by trade yeah, yeah, to the news game. Yeah, real stuff. I saw the 51 Geelong Essendon game. You know the best thing about that game, Collingwood Melbourne Grand Final? Out the front of the MCG on the Hilton Hotel side mm. was a huge sign, Collingwood v Melbourne, written in the um, Art Deco style of the times. Oh, really? Very attractive. 
Oh, it didn't say ye olde grand final. No, it was that Art Deco yeah, look. Yeah. It was great. It looked like, looked like uh, the, that building in the US. Do you reckon we're, uh, it's about Rambling. time we ra wrapped it up? How long have we been going, Mr Music? About an hour. Yeah, oh, I think it's, it's been okay. enormous. Oh, yeah, it's been huge and just, gigantic. Just a Massive bit of information there by one of our... Well, OK, Craig, like Craig Williams. Have heard GWS have major salary cap issues and will be looking to offload a few key, key players. Is that true? I haven't heard that, but I haven't been asking the question. Have you heard that? It'll be disappointing if they do, because now they've got a list that really shouldn't be over over salary cap. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of no names in there. If that's true, they've got some guys really hogging the cash. Well, I reckon Cameron's on huge money for what he does. Jeremy, yeah, he's uh, he's not what he was at one stage. Okay, we got one more to finish off. It's not that footy related, Mark Knight. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, what was that? Uh, yep. Mark Knight, not hot. Jared Zockling with you. And uh, look, if you want our thoughts on the Mark Knight, Serena Williams cartoon, revisit our audio podcast from last Thursday. You know what? We mentioned a few things that I think were salient points, mm -hmm. but it wasn't until we left the studio that you pointed out something that I think is the most salient of all points, and I couldn't agree more. It's actually just a, a shit cartoon. It doesn't say anything. <laughs> wasn't that funny? It doesn't say anything. A cartoon, a, ca a cartoonist is supposed to have that wonderful set of two sets of skills. One to be able to draw brilliantly, the other to be able to tell an extra story. Mm. All he did was show Serena having a tantrum. Yeah. We know that. What was the comic value? What was the layering <laughs> of it that made it that made it an insight into what she had done? No, I couldn't agree more, and that's why I think he's a good uh, caricaturist. He's not necessarily a great cartoonist. Yeah. Okay, let's finish on this one, and uh, Malcolm makes a very good point. Have you reflected on Ryan Griffin's career? Not really, and we probably should. Yep. So off you, off you go. Reflect. There were times when he made football look like, not, only, not easy, that the modern game had gone an extra step. You know, he was a, a powerful unit. He was he was one of the first really big midfielders. He could glide, and there was a a period, maybe his third last season for the Bulldogs, where he was working goal square to goal square. But there's two things with Ryan: his body didn't allow him to do that much throughout his career. And I don't know Ryan, but I know his manager. And Ryan is a very self-assuming bloke, uh, an unassuming bloke, I should say who just, he loves fishing, he loves not being Ryan Griffin, not yeah. being a captain. Being captain didn't suit him at all. So I think that thing that you need to be, that extra special footballer, that strut, that swag, is not part of his makeup. But at, at, Yeah, no, I think that's a good observation. But at his peak, he was a, a powerful yeah, midfielder. Oh, yeah, I'm when, saying when, when he could get goal square to goal square, yeah. you just thought, well, there's nothing better going around because he was big, he could kick. He could still dodge. He could still be nimble. Yeah. But how often did we see that? And that was solely because of injury. All right. We're going to leave it there. Thanks for watching. I hope you enjoyed the semi-finals. Um, you've got just one more thing, haven't you? I'll Hurry. say this about Ryan Griffin. Yep. Say it. Not as good as Brian Griffin. Ah, oh, from Family Guy. Or Stewie Griffin, even. There's a debate in the comments. Phil Carmen or Jordan Degoe. Who's better? Phil Carmen or Jordan Degoe. Fabulous Phil. Um, you know what? Oh, you're trying to appeal to the kids again. Hurry up. Carmen or Dugowie? I'll go for 
Phil, but Jordan's got a career to catch up and he's made a good start. All right, don't forget to tune into our audio podcast on Thursday. Footyology. We love footy. See ya. Pussy down.